Amen. Appreciate that. Thank you for that. And um, what a good song. We, we went and uh, learned the story of Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, uh, wrote the bells uh, on Christmas Day. And what a phenomenal story it was, really learned that story and, uh, and what it is. And uh, there was an extra verse in there. I believe that's the one my dad wrote. And so uh, my dad kind of can be poetic and, and uh, loves to add uh, uh, a, a gospel clear gospel uh, to some of those songs, and so, uh, so appreciate that. So you heard something that's never been sung before, I guess. I, that's what I'm saying. Uh, Luke chapter number two and verse number one, two, Luke chapter two and verse number one, I mentioned this morning that Christmas doesn't fall on Sunday regularly, and so I looked it up. I thought, well, I wonder how frequently I'd, I had heard different things. I had heard six years, I had heard ten years, and probably those of you that are, that are uh, mathematicians and really good and accountants probably can uh, figure it out and why and all of that, uh, but I just wrote down a few years that it happened. So it happened in 2005, it happened in 2011, and 2022 this year. Uh, then it will not happen again uh, in, if the Lord does not come uh, until 2033. Then it will happen in 2039 and 2044 and 2050. All right. Uh, so the rhyme and rhythm is not there for me. I'm sure it has to do with the uh, uh, 30, uh, 365 and a quarter days per year. So uh, you figure all that out and you can figure out why that falls the way it does. Uh, but uh, all I know is we're here and we're celebrating uh, Christmas. We're celebrating really the birth of the Lord. And as we think about Christmas, we ought to think about Jesus coming to this world. And uh, obviously you do. You're here. Praise the Lord for that. And, uh, and, and it's something that we ought to think about. Now we know uh, that, that Jesus probably uh, more than likely was not born on December 25th, all right? He was probably born in the spring, but uh, I am not on a, uh, a binge to try and correct the entire world and move Christmas uh, over top of Easter. So uh, we'll just leave it at the 25th and, uh, and we'll know, hey, that's probably not the same date. Uh, but, but hey, the world uh, in reality uh, many times listens to Christmas songs and many of them have uh, the gospel and have the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so uh, I think that's certainly a good thing and I certainly enjoy it. People are also very receptive to handing out or to receiving gospel tracts and what a great time uh, to be able to witness to people and talk to people and, and, uh, and certainly it's a good time. So Luke chapter number two and uh, we'll reread this passage the Bible says in Luke chapter 2 and verse number 1, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. 
Let's stop right there and let's pray. Father, we thank you just for your goodness to us. We thank you, God, that you came to this earth uh, veiled in flesh. And Father, uh, that you lived and you lived a perfect, sinless life. And God, then you gave up your life. Uh, for our salvation. And God, we thank you for that. And then you rose again from the dead. And Father, again, we, we commemorate, we remember the day that you were born. And uh, Father, we thank you for you coming to this world. God, I pray that you'd use me as we look into your word and we learn more about you this morning, that you would speak through me, God, that you would touch each and every heart and our minds and our thoughts would be turned to you this morning and throughout even this day as we remember Christmas Day. And Father, we'll thank you for that. And God will give you the honor and glory for all that's said and done. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As I read this passage, of course, many times, uh, but, but even just reading over this passage and thinking about Christmas, verse number seven, the Bible says, And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. There's many messages that have been preached out of this very verse. And, uh, and so, I, you know, there's many thoughts that come to mind when you read this verse. And there's many directions that you could go. But the thought I want us to look at and notice this morning is this. The Bible says, and she brought forth her firstborn son. And I read that and I started thinking about her son. And, uh, and, and the very first thing, of course, in our text, it's very clear uh, that she is the, or that Jesus is the son of Mary. Now, we know we've been over this a few times, but I'd like to make sure that it's very clear uh, because you never know who may not have heard it before. But, uh, but Jesus was born of a virgin. The Bible's very clear about that. And it's a very important part. Matter of fact, we're there in Luke. Go back with me to verse number 27. Just back maybe one page, Luke chapter 1 and verse number 27. The Bible says, uh, as, as Gabriel, let's go to verse 26. We'll read the context. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God in, unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Now the Bible is very clear to us, and it explains very clearly, hey, that Mary was a virgin. Jump down to verse 34, and, uh, and as, as the angel declares all of this to her, uh, she gets a little bit concerned, and, and verse 34, it says this, Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And as we think about Mary and her firstborn son, understand this, uh, the Bible is very implicit and very clear. It's not difficult to understand that, uh, that she was not pregnant uh, from a man here in this world. 
uh, God placed that baby inside of her and, uh, and made it all possible. Now, I don't understand all the, uh, the intricacies of that. I don't know exactly how God did it. All I do know is that God said this, uh, that the, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore, also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And, uh, and listen, uh, Jesus is God in the flesh. He wasn't born with a sin nature. And we have a hard time, I have a hard time, maybe you, maybe you don't have any problem with it. I have a hard time understanding how that you could be a person and not have a sin nature. Uh, because we all have sin natures. We all struggle with uh, the flesh. And, uh, and it's just part of our natural daily life that we inherited uh, from our father, that inherited it from his father, and all the way back to Adam. And, and we, so we have that. But Jesus didn't have that sin nature. And I was thinking about that idea and that thought, and, and, and the fact that uh, Mary and Joseph raised an absolutely perfect child. Now I know some of you guys have angels. I know that. Mine were angels some of the time, mostly when they slept. But, you know, we, we have children, we understand, hey, you know, children are not perfect. And, and, and listen, uh, the, Mary and Joseph, it wasn't their doing that made Jesus perfect. He was born without that sin nature. But Jesus Christ, could you imagine raising a perfect child? Now, I thought of this. This was Mary's firstborn. Now, you know how a firstborn, somebody said something the other day, and I was talking with somebody, and they said, well, it's their firstborn, and you know how it is with your firstborn, you know, you keep them a little closer, they don't go to the nursery, they don't go to grandma and grandpa's house, and they don't spend the night with anybody, and you know, you kind of, that firstborn, man, you keep them a little closer, and you just don't, you don't let them go as quickly or as easily, and, and here's Mary with Jesus, and, and he's an absolute perfect baby, a perfect child, uh, and all through rearing and and she she just she didn't even know any better and uh, and here she is raising her children at least until her next one came along and then she realized man this was a lot more work than that other one was I didn't realize how easy I had it and uh, and, and really you think about it that uh, that that this was Mary's firstborn and it was and he was God in the flesh and he was absolute, the Bible tells us that he was absolutely sinless and he was without sin. And, and you say, preacher, you say that. Why is that so important? Listen, if he's going to pay for our sins, he had to be sinless. He was the spotless lamb of God that would take away the sins of the world. And for that reason, he had to be perfect. Listen, uh, somebody that had sin in their life could not be the sacrifice. The, 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 it had been established since the Old Testament when Jesus or when God gave uh, those, those Old Testament saints the instruction for selecting a lamb. Hey, it had to be a pure lamb. It had to be a young lamb. It had to be a, a spotless lamb. They couldn't take a deformed lamb and say, well, this lamb was only born with three legs and let's offer that to God. No. No, he said, I don't want that. 
And I don't want your sickly lamb. I don't want your spotted lamb. I want your pure and perfect and most complete lamb that you can offer. And you had to bring the very best of your flock to offer it as a sacrifice. Hey, listen, Jesus Christ was not only the best of humanity, he was perfect in his humanity. He was sinless, and he did that so that you and I could be saved. And just, just to clear this up, by the way, it was her firstborn, and she did have a secondborn and a thirdborn, and I don't know how many more, but she was not a perpetual virgin. A lot of people think, well, she was a perpetual virgin. No, the Bible is very clear, and it tells you that, hey, his, his, uh, his brother and his sisters are there, and his mother is there. And so Mary had, Mary and Joseph had other children, and she was not a perpetual virgin. You think about this as well, and I know I talked about this several years ago, but uh, go over to Luke chapter 3 and verse 23. The Bible says this, I'm talking about Joseph, Luke chapter number 3 and verse 23. And Jesus himself began to be about 30 years of age, being, as was supposed, the son of Joseph. Isn't that an interesting verse? In other words, he was born into this world, and, uh, and much of the world uh, just seen, they didn't ask details, obviously. Those are very private details. They're not going to inquire about that kind of stuff. They see an, a, a man, and they see a woman, and, and they see a child, and therefore the assumption would naturally have to be, hey, this is his mother, and this is his father. I mean, there's no other thought that would go through your mind if you live in this time. And so I just want to point out the fact that, hey, uh, Joseph was a father and a father to he was a father to Jesus, but not the father of Jesus. And you understand the difference there. And so God uh, allowed him uh, to to uh, to raise uh, Jesus in this world. And even up till he was 30 years old, people looked at him and they thought, hey, you know, there's there's Joseph's son, the carpenter's son, uh, because people would not have known those details. Hey, we've got them written down in the word of God. And we do know those details. And uh, and the fact is that uh, he was the son of Mary, but not the son of Joseph. And you see that, that phrase there, as was supposed. Joseph certainly raised him, and Joseph was a good man to take time and spend with Jesus and to teach him the trade of carpentry and all of the things that he did. But he was not clearly the father of Jesus Christ. And so I just want to make that distinction. And we see that, uh, that Jesus was the firstborn, the son of of Mary. Go back in Luke chapter number 1, verse number 32. We'll kind of flip around a little bit today, but I want you to see this. Look in Luke 1, 32. The Bible says, He shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father, David. Not only is he the son of Mary, but I want you to notice as well, the Bible clearly calls him the son of David. 
the son of David. And here the promise is said, hey, he will give unto him the throne of his father, David. Go with me to Matthew chapter number 22. And so we find that, that title, uh, the son of David. Matthew chapter number 22 and verse 41. Jesus is dealing with the Pharisees and he asks them a question uh, here in this passage. And it will help us understand this idea of Jesus, the son of David. The Bible says in Matthew chapter number 22 and verse number 41, the end of the chapter, it says, while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, saying, what think ye of Christ, whose son is he? Now just pause there for a moment. That is the question that Jesus asked. And Christ means the anointed one. And so understand that Jesus is asking them, they would have understood that. Hey, uh, who is the anointed one? That's who Jesus is asking about to the Pharisees. Look at what they said in verse 42. They say unto him, the son of David. Let me just stop and explain this. The Jews, since the beginning of time, had looked for a Messiah, the anointed one, that would come as a king over Israel. And so that's what they're looking for, and that's what the Pharisees said. Let's go on in verse number uh, 43. And he saith unto them, How then doth David in spirit call him Lord, saying, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit on my right hand till I make thine enemies thy footstool. If David then call him Lord, how is he his son? Verse 46, I love it. And no man was able to answer him a word. Neither durst any man from that day forth ask him any more questions. The Pharisees were always trying to trick Jesus and they were trying to corner him and they were trying to, uh, to get him to say stuff that, that would, would betray himself or, or mess up his speech. And Jesus was always much wiser than the Pharisees, which is no surprise because he's God in the flesh and he has infinite wisdom and he would know far more than any person that ever walked on this earth. And so he's there and, he's, and he re retorts to them and asks them really the question, what do you think ye of the Christ? And then he responds, uh, hey, how is it? And they said, the son of David. Again, they were looking for a king. And then he says, hey, how do you know? Or how is it that David would say, the Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou on my right hand. That first Lord is all caps and it's talking about God. And he's saying, how did he say to God uh, that, that his Lord, being Christ or the Messiah, would sit thou on my right hand till I make thine enemies my footstool? And he's just saying, hey, uh, that the idea there of da the son of David would be the heir of David. Now it's promised. We looked at that before in Genesis chapter 49 and verse number 10. You can just note that down if you want. Is a prophecy that says, The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh come, and unto him shall the gathering of the people be. And it's just prophesying that, hey, Jesus Christ is the King of Kings. We looked at that a few weeks ago, I guess it would have been, and, uh, and we understand, hey, that didn't happen when Jesus Christ came to this earth. It wasn't the right time for it. 
It is to come. It's off in the future. We're going through the book of Revelations on Sunday nights. And, uh, and we saw when, uh, hey, that is going to take place off in the future. But it did not take place. But nonetheless, Jesus is referred to as the son of David. And that is a royal heritage that he would have that would point to his kingly throne and his heir uh, that he would have. And the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 1a, But unto the Son he saith, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. And listen, he's going to come. And he's going to set up his kingdom. He did not do it yet. We talked about a heavenly kingdom that's certainly here. And listen, uh, if you're saved and if you're born again, hey, listen, you have dual citizenship this morning. Because we have citizenship in heaven. We have citizenship in America, if you're an American. My daughter, uh, one of my daughters, Charity, was, uh, was born in Peru. And, uh, and she had dual, she still has dual citizenship. Uh, she had dual citizenship up until she was 18 and she's supposed to choose and decide. We got to fix that. But anyways, make a note to self, put that down as a to-do list. But anyways, what's that mean? It means you're a citizen, both of the country where you were born and she was born to American parents. Therefore, she maintains her American citizenship. And listen, as a Christian, hey, we're born again, praise the Lord. And we have a citizenship, not only in America, not only here, but also in heaven. I was reminded of this verse in Ephesians 2.18. For through Him, we both have access by one Spirit unto the Father. Now, therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and with the household of God. Praise the Lord. We have an heir to the Father through Jesus Christ. We have a relationship. I, I read those verses and I was reminded of this very old song. It's not really a, a Christmas song and I'll refrain from singing it for you, but I want to read you the words. It's entitled, The Old Black Book. And, and it, it goes like this. I took a look in the old black book and it thrilled me through and through. And if you've been saved and born again, it's bound to thrill you too. I was reading along about going home and found to my surprise, I'm already there in Jesus, just awaiting on the other side. I'm already over on the other side, waiting on my brand new body. I'm sitting up there in heavenly fair on the right hand of the Father. With my citizenship in heaven, I'm living in Christ, you see. I'm already there in Jesus, just waiting on my body to be. Well, if you've been threatened, thinking about quitting, be thankful right away. You've already passed from death to life, so brother, you might as well stay. You have not lost your faith in Christ. In Him do you abide. He's made us more than conquerors. We're waiting on the other side. Praise the Lord to be a fellow citizen with God. And listen, not only was He the firstborn and the Son of Mary that came in the flesh, but listen, He is the Son of David and He has a right to a throne. And listen, we are part of a royal family. 
Not because of us, but because of His blood that He shed on the cross of Calvary. He's the Son of David. Listen, not only is He the Son of Mary, not only is He the Son of, of David, but go back with me to Luke chapter number 1, back to our text, in verse number 32. Well, I'm going the wrong way. Get there. Luke chapter number 1, verse number 32. The Bible says this, He shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest. Look with me in verse number 35. And the angel answered and said unto her, Thou, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Not only is He the Son of Mary and was He veiled in flesh, not only is He the Son of David and He's an heir to the throne of David and will set up His kingdom and will reign for all of eternity, but He is the very Son of God. Praise the Lord for that. As we look at that, what an amazing thought uh, that, that Jesus, really that's the marvel of Christmas, that Jesus Christ would be born of a virgin and brought into this world and here is God in the flesh. It's quite an amazing thing if you think about it. And He is the Son of God. Go with me to one, one other passage, and I'll save you from, from turning a lot, but go to John chapter number 3. John chapter number 3 clares, clarifies this about the Son of God. And look with me in John chapter 3 in verse number 16. It's a verse that you're probably very familiar with. But to hear the Bible says this, we're going to read the three verses that are there. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that He gave His, there's two words, only begotten Son. Hey, listen, Jesus Christ is the, let me, let, me, let me repeat that, He is the only begotten Son of God. What does that mean? That means that Jesus Christ is the only Son of God. There is no other son. Some people come up with these weird ideas and thoughts that, uh, that maybe Jesus had a brother and, and this and that. Listen, the Bible's very clear in John 3, 16 that Jesus Christ is the only son that God ever brought to this world and He is the only son of God that ever exists and He is the singular son of God. There is no other. And the Bible's very clear about that. And uh, there's only one. But then not only that, he says, begotten. Listen, I love that. Why? What does that mean? Begotten is from, if you go to Luke chapter 3, we won't go there for sake of time. But it says, and so-and-so begat so-and-so. And so-and-so begat so-and-so. And so-and-so. And it goes on. If you go to First Chronicles, you've read those. What does it mean? It just means that he is the father of so-and-so. Listen, the Bible is very clear that, G that God has one son. It is Jesus Christ and he is begotten. He is, comes from God because he is God in the flesh. The Bible tells us that very clearly. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son 
that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Hey, listen, not only was he the son of Mary, and he was the son of Mary, he was the firstborn son of Mary. Not only is he the son of David, and that he has a royal lineage back to the throne, but listen, he is the very son, and he is the only and begotten Son of God the Father. Hey, listen, Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. And he had to be. Uh, we, 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 I'm going to go there, but Colossians chapter 1. If you, you want to flip over there in your quick, Colossians chapter 1. I want, to, I want you to understand this as well. Sometimes people are tempted to think that, that Jesus came and he was born here on this earth. And when he was born, that is the beginning of Jesus. No, no. That's not the beginning of Jesus. He goes all the way back to creation. That was just a time and a place that God chose to send His Son into this world. But He existed long before that. The Bible clarifies that in Colossians chapter number 1 and verse number 12. Look with me there, Colossians 1.12. The Bible says, "...giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints." In light. In other words, hey, praise the Lord that we have an inheritance and we can be partakers. Verse number 13, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. So he's talking about the son of God and how we were translated from the power of darkness, from the sinful life into the kingdom of God. Let's go on in verse number 14. In whom we have forget redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. It's very clearly talking about Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ shed his blood on the cross of Calvary. And right there he tells us that, hey, that's how we have redemption through his blood. Verse number 15, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature, for by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things and by him all things consist." Those two verses, verse 16 and 17, are talking about Jesus Christ, in whom we have redemption through His blood, through the blood of Jesus Christ. And you go down and you realize, hey, he's talking about that Jesus Christ existed all the way back when the world was created. And the Bible says all things were made by Him and for Him, and by Him all things consist. You know what that tells me? 
that Jesus Christ, when he was born here on this earth, was not his start. He started in infinity in the past because he is God. And he was part of that creation. And you say, preacher, do you believe that? I absolutely believe it because the Bible says so. Well, science, listen, science, when science disagrees with the Bible, science is wrong. It is. You know one thing that's bothered me? I, 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 this has bothered me about, about evolution for a long time. How come we don't have any half-human and half-animal creatures running around? If evolution is true, then, bless God, why don't I have a tail and wings? You know how useful that would be to me? I mean, I'm forever trying to open doors when I've got both my hands full. Man, if I could just swing my tail around and hold some stuff and open a door, I would go for that. Why can't I fly for crying out loud? You think that's not useful? Man had to come up with a way to build engines and wings and make things fly like a bird because we don't have the ability. What I'm saying is, listen, they say, well, those, those appendages were no longer necessary. That's a bunch of hogwash. You know how necessary a tail and wings would be to me? It'd be wonderful. You don't, don't even lie to me and tell me you would, don't wish you had a tail and wings. Man, it would help. They say those things just fell away. Man, how, how many of you would like to breathe underwater, have some gills on your neck? Man, I'd go for that. Tell me that stuff just disappeared. That's, there's no in-between creatures. They say there's no, there's no dog with wings. There, things, things change within their kind. That's what God said. That's how God established it. God created this world. God created everything that was in it. And Jesus Christ was involved in creation. He was there. And listen, makes the point of Christmas so much more marvelous. That he would leave the throne of heaven and come down in the form of human flesh, in the form of a baby that could not change himself, could not feed himself, could not take care of himself, and was subject to his mother taking care of him. You talk about incredible. That's an amazing God. That he would do that. Come to this world and be born. You say, preacher, why did he do that? You know why he did that? Because he loves you and me. Man. What a great God we have, that he would do that. The Bible says this, not only is he the son of Mary, the son of David, and he is the son of God. Listen, we can become sons of God. The Bible says in John chapter 1 and verse number 12, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. You may have already opened Christmas presents. We opted to wait until after church. We're going to go home and I like to torture my kids. I always used to. Man, we, we'd get up. 
you know, my kids come running. They, they weren't allowed to touch anything under the tree until, uh, until we all got out there as a family. And, and so they, they come to the room and wake us up. And I'm like, I'm tired and pull the blankets over my head and wait and, until they're all jumping on the bed and pushing us out. And, and finally we'd get out and I'm like, we have to read the entire lineage of Christ and, and, and Chronicles and, and all of that. And, and, and then the, the, the birth of Christ before we can open Christmas presents. And they finally whittle, whittle me all the way down to Luke chapter 2 and that's what we would read. We'd open presents. Maybe you already opened presents or maybe you have waited, but listen, if there's a present under that tree and it has your name on it and you choose to leave it under that tree, you call me, I'll take it. I'll scratch the name out and I'll take it. Listen, Jesus Christ gives to us the gift, the gift of eternal life. You know how many people leave that setting under the tree, per se, under that old rugged cross? They just leave it setting there. And they choose not to take it. It's got their name on it. It's given for them. It's not transferable. It's for every person. And the Bible says... How can we get that gift? Well, the Bible says that we have to recognize our sin. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the Bible says in, in Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You say, how do we get it? Well, the Bible says... And in the times of this ignorance, God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. And he says in Romans 10, 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, shall be saved. And he says, listen, I want to, the reason Jesus came, he said, I want to change your life and save you. You know what the problem is? I've talked to people, I've I remember talking to a fellow in Peru. He said, I don't, he basically said this, I don't want to give up my sin. I love my sin. I love what I do. I love the way my life is. I don't want to change. That's what he told me. Listen, Jesus Christ wants to change your life. Amen. It'll be for the better, trust me. You, you think you love your life now? Man, Jesus Christ get a hold of your life and change you and you give your life to him and you ask him to save you, you'll love your life ten times more. You'll say, why did I wait so long? Never heard anybody say, and I wish I could go back to the old life. I hear people say, man, I wish I would have trusted him sooner. I wish my life would have changed sooner. I wish I would have put my faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ sooner. Why? Because he changes our life for the better. That's why he came. He is the son of God. He's the perfect sacrifice. He loves you. He died on the cross to save you. And he wants you 
to be born again. With every head bowed and every eye closed as we stand to our feet. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your own personal Savior. Why not today, the day we call Christmas, receive the greatest gift that we commemorate today? Jesus coming to this world to die on the cross of Calvary as a sacrifice for our sins. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you, God, for the salvation. Thank you for coming into this world. What an incredible story. True story. God, as we think about that this Christmas, you are the son of Mary. You're the son of David. And you are the only begotten Son of God. What a great truth. And God, if we'll put our faith and trust in you and you alone for salvation, we too can be saved. So God, I pray that you would touch hearts as only you can. God, I pray that as Christians we'd be grateful, so thankful, that you came in the form of a baby as the son of Mary. Oh, and a royal heir as the son of David. And the all-powerful God as the son of God. All in one package that we could be saved. God, thank you for the greatest gift ever given to mankind. I pray that you'd speak to hearts as only you can. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. As we have a short hymn of invitation. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. If God's spoken to your heart, the altar's open. Maybe you just want to thank Him. Truly, that is the greatest gift. What a wonderful day that we get to spend in church to celebrate His gift. Thank Him for His gift. Maybe you're here this morning. You say, Preacher, I've never received that gift. I sure would like to. Why don't you receive it today? Why don't you trust Him as your own personal Savior? It's as simple as recognizing that you are lost. Asking God to forgive you and to save you. He'll do that today. You can do it right there in your seat. You can come forward. We'd be happy to take the Word of God and show you how you can know for sure where you'll spend eternity. The most important thing, the most important decision you'll ever make. Why not on Christmas Sunday receive that gift of salvation?
my Jesus, I love thee. I know thou art mine. What a great song. 